The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your company about to be involved in a merger or acquisition? No matter what side of the deal you are on, this can be a daunting and very risky part of business. Welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. On each show, you'll hear from top executives representing a variety of industries. We'll discuss the success stories, best practices, and lessons learned that can help you engineer a smooth transition that's good for your business and celebrated by your people. Now, here's your host, Sonia Weigel. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Sonia Weigel. Every week we come together to to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of mergers and acquisitions with guests who bring expertise and seasoned experience to the conversation. Think of this as your once-a-week consulting hour, where you can gain powerful insights and knowledge about the successes, failures, and lessons learned through the wisdom and experience of guests each week that come from a variety of industries and represent all sides of a deal. As the title indicates, we'll focus on the people side of M&A, specifically culture, behaviors, human capital strategy, and processes. How often have we seen deals that were beautifully architected from a finance or legal perspective only to fall apart post-close because of culture clashes? My firm, SWC Management Consulting, works with companies every day to navigate the very important but often tricky world of organization transformation. We help our clients ensure these transformations are executed flawlessly and in a way that drives the success of their business. I love getting to work with our clients to bring tangible impact through human resources. Helping companies to harness the most important asset, their people, is why I do this. It is my hope to use this radio show as a platform to help many of you in the same way. By hosting an interactive show that gives the listening audience access to the best minds in this business for the benefits of themselves and their companies. So let's get started. I have with me today Richard Nagrin. Richard is a partner with Obermeyer, Redmond, Maxwell, and Hippel here in Philadelphia. Richard brings more than 20 years of experience and knowledge in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. His extensive experience as a corporate general counsel, city managing partner, deputy mayor, corporate litigator, and former prosecutor allows him to serve as a strategic partner to clients across a broad spectrum of practice areas. Mr. Negrin is chair of the General Counsel Advisory Group, serving as an important resource for large corporations dealing with today's complex challenges, as well as for emerging businesses requiring an efficient alternative to an internal legal team. Mr. Negrin advises clients in the following areas, general corporate counsel, complex litigation, government relations and regulatory, contracting and procurement, internal investigations and enforcement, business contact, conduct, ethics, and compliance, strategic communications, and crisis management. Prior to joining Obermeyer, Mr. Negrin served as the managing director and deputy mayor for the city of Philadelphia. 
He worked collaboratively to bring an annual, to manage an annual budget of $5.5 billion and nearly 30,000 employees. Rich is a frequent lecturer and commentator on various topics related to innovation, leadership, diversity, in-house legal practice, ethics and compliance, crisis management, human resources, community engagement, and public service. He's provided commentary and analysis on numerous networks, including MSNBC, ABC, NBC, KYW, WHYY, and many other news outlets and TV, radio, podcasts, and print media. Mr. Nagrin is adept at the use of social media and authors a popular leadership blog, Surface-Centered Leadership, where he shares leadership and management lessons. I'm so honored and excited to have Rich here on the show today. While Rich has obviously an extensive experience across a variety of topics, I'd like to focus today on crisis management as it relates to mergers and acquisitions. Rich has written a very informative white paper on crisis management and what he calls the five phases of crisis response. I'd like to discuss each of these phases and how they can be applied should you find yourself in crisis mode at some point during an M&A transaction. Hello, Rich, and welcome. Oh, thank you. It is such a great pleasure to be here with you. I'm excited. Uh, So first, why don't you tell us what led you to focus on crisis management as a topic, and why should folks engaged in or contemplating a merger have crisis management on their radar? Yeah, you know, I think crisis management often gets a, a far too narrow definition of what it is. Some crises obviously um, are disasters and things that happen and they happen in the workplace. So they happen out there in the real world and in everyday life that impact uh, corporations and businesses. So I have a lot of experience on that as a city manager, as you can imagine, you know, we faced all kinds of crises as a city. So that was um, a really important part of my training. But there's a lot of crises that, that occur that are anticipated. So whether it's leadership changes, that can be a crisis, that's substantial change, a merger, an acquisition that is going to be um, incredibly complex um, amongst um, complex organizations and sophisticated executives is a bit of a crisis. You may not have to call it that yet, but what it is, is we all know it's change management. Um, And whether it's significant turnover or difficult um, HR decisions around how you merge two businesses, the anxiety around the workplace during what, what, what should be an incredibly exciting time can very quietly create um, something very similar to a crisis atmosphere. Um, and, you know, I've seen that. Um, I, I worked for a phenomenal uh, $12 billion company headquartered here in Philadelphia, Aramark, where I served as general counsel of Aramark Healthcare and Aramark Corrections. I had arrived there shortly after a merger that where the company grew by acquisition and, and um, really obtained a company called Service Master that everybody knew really well. Two incredibly different cultures. Service Master was um, very closely held um, company with senior executives with, with, interestingly enough, a real Christian background, a very religious-based decision and cultural and, and, and ethical model. Um, and Aramark was sort of a, a larger, more centralized sort of corporate um um, culture that was sort of a very red culture, very kind of action oriented, mm-hmm. very change um, oriented, where 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 things moved quickly and decisions were made, and went to market in creative ways, and just very agile for for a large company. Um, those two things um, were very different 
those two cultures. And if you're not careful and you're not thoughtful in your approach and you don't look at the basic crisis management principles um, that happened around those circumstances, you can really find yourself in a crisis as an organization, no matter how beneficial the transaction is. A lot of times I find that uh, some of these crises are self-inflicted. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And that, you know, executives are so focused on the the uh, details of the transaction yeah. that what gets left behind or lost in the sauce, so to speak, are the things. Yeah, you know, the human it. piece, right, yeah, gets in the yeah. way all the time. You yeah. talked about that earlier. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's interesting. We did an assessment when I was at Aramark around um, our ability to, to change and our propensity um, and adaptability as leaders. Wow. And people's, you know, we've all seen sort of variations of, of what I'm talking about, kind of the quadrants, right, with, and the different colors. And yeah. are you a red culture, yellow, green, blue, all those things, and they kind of mean different things. But one of the things I thought was really interesting that during day-to-day normal um, normal working days, most of us kind of fell within a certain quadrant. You know, we kind of functioned in a certain very positive, creative way. But during stress mm-hmm. and during different moments, people reacted very, very differently. Some people slowed way down Mm -hmm. and some people were really prone to act quickly and emotionally really quickly. And the truth is that the benefit is probably somewhere in the middle. And the conversation around, do you have the right team thinking about those things and trying to um, to to really build the kind of team with different skill sets and folks, you know, you might want your lawyer to be the guy who helps you slow things down. Right. You might want your HR person to be the, the one who's going to be careful to make um, unemotional, important decisions. But. You know, there's going to be a CEO or a COO in the room is also going to push them to actually move quickly and get things done. So that kind of unique combination of team players that we struggle with all day becomes so much more important when you're actually in a crisis or going through something like a significant merger. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I find so fascinating about crisis management as it relates to M&A, because it's not something that's typically on the radar. Yeah. And and you take people at their face value. Uh, where they are outside of crisis mode, yeah. but everything, all of your planning and 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 all of, all of your best intentions can go uh, by the by the wayside fairly quickly when people engage in their stress behaviors. Yeah, you know, I think um, it's really important. I think, especially if you're thinking about there's a big merger, or if, if or if you're a company that's going to really anticipate growth, to think about the kind of folks you hire when you bring them in, and you can start that conversation and start making some decisions around some of that stuff way before you get into merger mode. Uh, um, and and some of that is, you know, I used to love when I was city manager for very high profile, high pressure positions. I would love to hire people who had been through stuff. who had overcome some adversity, who didn't just have it easy and kind of went to all the great, perfect right schools and had a smooth career path. Sometimes it's people who've kind of had to work their way through school and, um, you know, had to just roll up their sleeves and get things done and and kind of figure out how to pay their way sometimes or, um, you know, had that newspaper route when they were a kid. You know, you want to learn some of those things around folks, around their ability to overcome difficulties and hardships. And I would find that many of the folks who had overcome some things in the past um, had developed something that I used to call um, your adversity quotient, right? Your, your, your AQ, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about EQ. We talk a lot about IQ. Um, I tried to hire for those key positions people with some AQ. And I think if, you, if you're coming up on um, big decisions for your company and you're going through a lot of change and you're coming up on things like mergers and significant acquisitions, having people around you with really strong AQ makes a big difference. Uh, I, I would say that that's inspired leadership, but knowing what I know about you <laughs> <laughs> and what informs the way that you think, um, your 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 past experience as an NFL football player might oh. have something to do with that, right? I didn't mention that in your background. But, yeah. Uh, that whole teamwork thing and, and, and teamwork in a crunch may maybe in, inform some of that too. Yeah, you know, I love um I love hiring people who played sports. You know, that's why I think Title IX is so important. You know, we're seeing a generation of young women in the workplace who, like like my daughters, who um, are accustomed to throwing some elbows yeah. and, and, and being aggressive. And I think that's awesome for the workplace and, and incredibly different. But yeah, my, my education and my leadership education, I think the first leadership position, all kidding aside, that I ever held was when my teammates elected me captain of the football team. That was probably the biggest honor you know that I ever received. But yeah, you learn so much from, from that team-based approach. So in your white paper... Yeah. You offer five phases of response yeah. in crisis management. And you list them as readiness, response, reassurance, recovery, and review. Yeah. Talk to us just quickly about readiness and what that means in the world of M&A. Yeah, I mean, the last time to start thinking about how you're going to be prepared for crisis is when you're in it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's un- unfortunately the mistake that many folks make, and, and especially in the context of mergers and acquisitions. I mean, this is something you can prepare for, and it makes no sense for you to wait until the due diligence is halfway through and things are going bad, and all of a sudden you realize you have an issue that's not working and you're not, you're not meshing from a cultural perspective. Um, you can very, very clearly plan for how you're going to handle those things. So that initial part is so incredibly important. It's, it, is, it is important, I think, to identify the potential risks and look at those things beforehand with a clear and honest eye around um, having the self-awareness of who you are, not just as a person, but as an organization. Um, and I think that's a huge struggle for lots of organizations, you know, whether it's you know, the inability, we've all seen it, to give honest feedback within the organization so folks don't know where they stand or the inability to make good human decisions, but also decisions that are important for the corporation and the bottom line and how they all go together. That cultural component um, and the ethical component that, that that's a part of all of that is something that you can assess, think about, prepare for it, find your weaknesses, look for those weaknesses in, in the other parties that you're dealing with and your business partners. Um, and that that preparation piece, um, identifying those risks, preparing for a plan on how you're going to try to address them is incredibly important. Thank you. Um, we're going to continue with on the topic of readiness and, and the phases that you've outlined uh, right after the break. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be right back with Rich Nagrin, partner in Obermeyer and a crisis management expert in M&A, right back after this short break. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at swigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Rich Nagrin, partner with Obermeyer and crisis management expert. And we were talking before the break about his five phases of response in crisis management. And we were um, talking about readiness. After readiness um, comes uh, reassurance. And uh, there we talk about this being a critical step in terms of assuaging the concerns of critical stakeholders, including the general public, which you've had a tremendous amount of experience with. What, what does that look like, that, that reassurance piece? Yeah, I think the reassurance piece can be incredibly humbling for a lot of organizations. You know, many folks are just kind of hard charging moving forward and they've planned carefully. Um, and they're a little taken aback when things go wrong and things don't always go as perfectly planned. And that human piece comes in and personalities get involved. I think that reassurance piece is really kind of um, an honest assessment that, hey, um, we've hit a snag. You should expect snags when you're doing something as difficult as a significant merger and acquisition. Um, that's par for the course. If you expect it to go perfectly, you're making a terrible mistake. You've got to kind of build in a, a, a mechanism in terms of decision making and how you socialize things and how you communicate in a way that I think helps smooth over those edges. They're going to occur. You're going to hit speed bumps. You just want to make sure they are just speed bumps and not stop signs or a gaping giant pot hole that's going to eat up your whole effort, right? Um, so the, the reassurance piece is whenever you hit those bumps is your ability to acknowledge, to discuss, to move forward, to push through and keep the main goal there that also maintains the confidence in the organization that this thing is worthwhile and it doesn't get derailed. If you're not able to kind of turn that around and do that incredibly quickly before it takes root and the doubt comes in and sometimes that's how deals and I think corporate cultures in general start to go bad. They fester a little bit and we all know in large organizations everybody will know everything about what's going on within about 24 hours 
hours, 48 hours throughout the entire organization. If you think you're going to keep things secret inside yeah. of an organization, especially during a, a time of stress and change, you're kidding yourself. So that reassurance period is really that period where you acknowledge those little hiccups and move forward and reinvigorate and, and re-energize the effort all over again, almost like you're kicking it off. What does that initial response need to look like so that the reassurance piece yeah. <laughs> isn't as heavy a yeah, lift? That's a right? great there's a good question. way to respond and then there's a way to respond that's going to give you a lot more work later down the road. That's a great question. I mean, the response really needs to be thoughtful and it needs to be a team response. It can't be, you know, there, there, there are important moments where you need strong individual leadership. That's not what. You need all hands on deck, everybody on the same page, acknowledging what's going on, what's wrong, what needs to be fixed, and, and how you move forward together as an organization. If the response isn't in, uh, of, of that caliber and quality um, in terms of a team-based approach, you're, you're going to really struggle. Yeah, I, you know, as, as a former HR executive um, and that has been through both sides of the M&A experience, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. I, Which side was more painful? <laughs> you know, it really depends on how the response was when things went down. You know, my job got a little bigger when the, uh, the response from the corporate executives was not what it needed to be. Nice. And, um, you know, it's important to communicate to people. And yeah. It's important to, that the people are concerned about themselves, their jobs, they're concerned about the future. And the way that you respond will uh, certainly impact, you know, not just the what's going on right then and there, yeah. but assuming that the deal goes all the way through and now you have a, a standing viable new organization, what are you dealing with now? Yeah. You know, how much PSTD are we, are we looking at here? Yeah. Or have you handled it, responded in a way that has laid the groundwork for something something great. Yeah, I think that's powerful. I think uh, you know we've all known those circumstances where where that you get through a major deal and you're not sure what's left and and what what this new creature is right. It's it's um it's it's a little bit like a marriage, and uh, if you don't recognize your family at the end of that, something's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know you to be a particularly savvy person when it comes to social media. Yeah, and. It used to be back in the day when we would work on these deals, right? We could go into a blackout period, and it was supposed to be a blackout period. Mm. And a blackout period is typically what would happen, yeah. with the exception of, of, you know, perhaps internal water cooler circles. But now with the with social media and its growing impact oh, yeah. on not just the ability of, of employees to uh, or affected individual stakeholders to communicate amongst one another. Yeah. Um, you know, they're now able to communicate outside and folks outside of the organization have free will to opine on what's going on inside the organization yeah. because of social media. And I talk about that in my white paper. I mean, I think we live, you know, this is about, it's not just about M&A or crisis management. It's about M&A and crisis management in the digital age, right? right. Which is very, very different. I think you saw the president-elect just a few days ago um, impact Boeing with a single tweet where he talked about, you know, them making too much money, making Air Force One. Um, I, th- I think the impact that social media has had can't be forgotten and is so critical. You know, we live in a day and age where, you know, as, as, as you put it, um, it is almost impossible to, um, to not diligently protect your brand. Like you need to be in the social media business. If you're a senior corporate executive and you're engaged in major transactions and opportunities and you don't have a staff and professionals who are tracking social media, um, 
um, making sure you're training your employees, making sure that your HR policies reflect the appropriate social media use. All that stuff is incredibly important. Part of crisis management is is not just monitoring and being able to respond to everything that's out there. You know, if you're not a part of the conversation, I tell people all the time, I tell my clients, if you're not a part of the conversation, they're talking about you. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Um, So we need to be a part of the conversation in in, in terms of what you're communicating incredibly openly and and and, uh, and transparently. Now, obviously, there's critical moments during a deal where you can't talk about facts and details, and those things are incredibly sensitive. So you need to be really careful to guard those things, you know, internally um, in terms of your core um, executive team and 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 the actual M and A team that's working on those things, um, and the confidentiality around those critical kind of proprietary information really really matters. Um, but so that is such a complex world, right? Because today. Facts um, can be can be put out there, and in a matter of just a few hours, be international and global, and actually impact your stock price. Like that's where we are as as a community. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen plenty of examples. I have of, of, of exactly that thing happening. I have, I have. You know, in in uh, just an example, um, in the city of Philadelphia, um, we had a situation where a citizen anonymously took a photo of a police officer sleeping. Mm-hmm. And folks didn't realize that there's actually an operational impact to that. I had to, to check and see. So not only did it take about maybe, gosh, four or five hours for that picture on Twitter to go internationally. Wow. Uh, within, within a day, it was, it was, it was, it was global. And, um, but there's an operational impact. It impacts your brand. We, you know, we had to have HR conversations and figure out who the, the officers were and place them on administrative leave, but also, and make a statement and respond as quickly as possible, but also um, do an operational analysis to make sure that no 911 calls were missed and that there wasn't a negative public safety impact on the public as a result of that employee misconduct. That's just an example of... Um, the impact of social media. That's one person with a phone yeah. on Twitter um, sending out a photo anonymously, um, you know, which can happen to any company, right? Whether you're Uber or FedEx or UPS. Um, the challenge is, imagine you're in the middle of, an, of, of, of a significant M&A deal and um, one of your employees is um, pictured on a viral video yep. behaving um, you know, in a manner that's 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 um, not exactly customer service friendly. Um, something as simple as that can go viral within a matter of hours and start to impact your deal and your stock price. Like that, that's a new world. So, what is that role on the M and A team that's focused on? these pieces of crisis management. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a combination, you know, different organizations, I think, I've seen them do it effectively um, different, whether sometimes it's compliance that that has kind of an aspect of that. Sometimes, in the, and, and where I think it's worked um, incredibly well is when there's some, there's some combination of communications, of legal, of operational, of HR, and technology all working together. So the, so the team-based approach around, um, Something as simple as a viral video. If you don't realize that's a mini crisis, right. you're you're missing the boat. Like right. that's where you need to, to to have thought about before in terms of um, what's your rapid response team and right. how do you deal with those things when they when when they pop up? Because if you're in the middle of a business deal and something like that happens, it, it can have a significant impact. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, I like that term, the rapid response team. Uh, you know, you think about that. Obviously, in a in a public sector type yeah, perspective, yeah. but 
I could see where something like that would play a tremendous role at really, really tremendous amount of value yeah. uh, in an M&A transaction. And, um, you know, I, I think given that this is the people side of M&A that we like to talk about on this yeah. show, you know, I, I can see where, where the HR person, um, assuming they're at the table, yeah. uh, would play a tremendous role. Important question, right? Yeah. Because in some organizations... They don't have HR sitting at the table. Right. And they may not have legal sitting at the table. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the next phase, which you call recovery. Yeah. Um, talk us about how a team can ensure that they recover well enough to preserve or even improve the deal or the reputations of the companies and the people's, of people associated with it. Yeah, and recoveries in the M&A context, recovery is more than just what's going on during the deal. Because I think it, it really, for me, in terms of how I think of it is, you have to remember that what you just been through is a significant disruption. Um, and the recovery needs to start, not just, it starts during the deal, but, but it focuses a lot on, don't forget about um, working on your culture and making sure that, um, that everybody's on board and those cultural things that matter so much are still happening after the deal is over, yeah. right? There's sort of the sense when the deal is wrapped up that our kind of our work is kind of done. We got through it. This is amazing. Sometimes you hold a press conference, you put out a press release, there's a party, right? All those kind of things that happen when you do a great deal, regardless of the context. And then you all kind of go back to work. And, um, you know, I think there needs to be a sensitivity in, in the context that, um, Things aren't just better overnight that you've just taken the organization, the two organizations probably through a significant disruptive change that just needs to get better and better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is fascinating. Let's take another quick break and pick that up again uh, when we get back. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in so far. Again, we're here with Richard Nagren, partner with Obermeyer and crisis management expert in the world of M&A. Thanks, and we'll be right back after this short break. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, 
spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, We are here with Rich Negrin, partner with Overmeyer, and we're talking about the role of crisis management in mergers and acquisitions. And before we left for the break, we were talking about the idea of recovery after a crisis has happened and what we can do to uh, ensure that the reputation of the deal and the company and the people associated with it can be preserved. You know, if done, if done well from a recovery perspective, we can do that. Talk us a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, I think... Um Recovery needs to be more than just team-building exercises, right, right. Where, where you bring an organization together. It really is about picking the right folks, putting them in the right in the right roles, but making sure that whatever that new entity is um, comes out really firing on all cylinders. Um, so to me, it's having the appreciation that this is better for all of us, that it's not just about a few, a handful of people at the top that um, thought this was a great idea and that took us through this thing and it was painful and it's kind of like having a baby. Um, You know, I think that recovery really needs to be the moment after the deal is over where you realize that now we really need to decide who we are. And and this is who we thought we were going to be when we started this process, but um, it, it feels a little different and here's how and understanding exactly what that looks like and who you are and having an honest assessment and deciding where you want to go um, sometimes require you to go through like you and I have worked in the past sometimes around an entirely new strategic planning process around you as an organization because there's going to be some new people sitting around the table sometimes Um, maybe you're in a new line of business and we need to figure out what's that what that's done to your brand and who you are as a as a core entity and how you go to market all those things are things that you may have to realign coming out of that deal in a way that you may not have anticipated. Yeah, I, you know, I really like to think in terms of, uh, of best practices and providing the listening audience with the benefits of your experience and wisdom, right? So I'm sure you've seen situations where recovery was done well, yeah. and you've seen, Rick, on the flip side, situations where it wasn't done as well as, as it could have been. Could you give us uh, some yeah, stories? I think- I think where it's not, where it's not done well without without naming names, right. <laughs> um, where it's not done well, I think it's rushed and yeah. seen as an afterthought or um, the the basic understanding that we need, hey we need to come together let's let's hold a retreat or you know if you oversimplify and I'm not saying those things are not important they're necessary and getting to know each other and respect each other as people and all of those things really matter um, you know your your employees need to know that you care before they you know before they know uh, uh, and are willing to go the extra mile for you um, but I think you need to slow those things down and and 
don't underestimate the time that it'll take to come together as an organization. That's a bit of a long game and it needs to almost to be a part. If you're just doing some of those things because you've just gone through a transaction, I don't think that that, that works in the long run. Right. I, I think you need to be doing those things as an organization on a regular basis throughout. Um, if you're only doing it during during crisis or doing a planned event like a, like a, like a merger, um, it, it's not going to feel natural. It's not going to feel right. And you're going to have to work so much harder. No, it's well said. You know, I think it's easily perceived as being sort of disingenuous if you are yeah. suddenly engaging these these things, you know, perhaps some consultant got in your ear and said, oh, you know, this is probably something you should be doing. It's fascinating when you don't communicate well as an organization and all of a sudden you decide, oh, we're going to start communicating. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and it's about this big change that's about to happen. Exactly. But don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yes, you'll be, you'll be fine. I, I can recall a global um, merger that I was engaged with and uh, the new CEO came uh, and communicated under the direction of HR that, you know, you need to communicate what the new culture and the new values are going to be. And so what he did was proceed to tell the entire global organization, here are the new set of values, here are the new set of, 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 of here's our culture now. And oh, by the way, anybody that doesn't fit this will be identified and eliminated. <laughs> And then he hit a button and, a door, and some trap door opened up. Exactly. And, yeah. exactly. It was just one of those things like, perhaps this is not something you're used to doing. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's crazy. You know, you can't just, this has got to be part of the fabric of the organization. Yeah, not to mention the fact that when you do something as important, and you and I have actually done this together, working together, when you do something as important as determine what your core values are right. as an organization, it might be good to get the input from the organization <laughs> as you do that, Perhaps, right? Yeah. And not just your senior team, but the entire organization to have that conversation of, of in terms of who you are. Well, especially in, in a situation where you're bringing together two different organizations yeah. that perhaps have two different sets of, of, of culture and, and way of working. And so what does success look like now that we are one entity? And are we operating as two legacy organizations under one logo or one roof? Or have we actually come back, come together now and uh, clearly identified collaboratively? Yeah, yeah. What success looks like now? Collaboration, communication. Are we talking about uh, corporate America? Crazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy talk. Yeah, yeah. So the last phase that you provide in your white path paper, I thought was really interesting. You sort of added this, and it's called review. Hmm. Tell us what role that reviewing the crisis has once it's passed, and yeah. uh, what how that plays into the success of your overall crisis management effort. Another um, entirely underestimated important role in the entire crisis management piece is the review piece. You need to be able to take an after action um, effort to bring all stakeholders together and hear a lot of voices around what worked and what didn't work. Odds are in the current business environment, you're gonna be in that situation again in a matter of years if you're a growing company. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn um, what, what went right and what went wrong and what your best practices were as an organization and what you need to keep in mind for the future, um, you are doomed to repeat some of those same mistakes all over again. And this, the next time it could be fatal to the, to to the transaction. So I think the review piece is critically important and often overlooked. You, you kind of get through the crisis, it's successful, you feel good and you move forward as an organization, but you haven't had that conversation around getting ready for it if it ever happens again. There's also an aspect to that that kind of relates a little bit to recovery where there are people whose feathers are going to be ruffled mm -hmm. during, during the process and that change that you just went through. Sometimes the review period actually allows you to have 
um, honest conversations around those things that helps people move forward in a very positive way. So the review period really has kind of the added benefit of, well, you know, I didn't like the way this went or that went, but at least I got heard, I was respected, and the company's going to work harder to make sure we don't do that again. That has real value to an organization, no matter what the crisis or situation is. And so when do you start the review What's the, what's the best likely time to get that process started? The crisis has to be clearly over. Yeah. So, you know, if um, it, it has to be when there's more of a sense of normalcy. So there's some period that needs to go by. Um, if it was a significant, tragic crisis event when I was with the city of Philadelphia, we would wait about a month at least to, to get back together again to talk about, hey, you know, what are some of the things we could have done better during that process? Um, if, if people still feel like they're in a little bit of the crisis or there's a lot of uh, um, things that are left to, to, to be done, even if the majority of people are kind of through with their role, but there's still some folks who are in it, it's not going to work right. You're not going to have everybody fully engaged. So you've got to wait for that period of time where you feel like you, you've taken a deep breath and there's been kind of a bit of a beat and, um, and, you, and you can look back on what you've done as an organization. Do external stakeholders play a role in that review process at all? Massive role. I, I mean, I think it, it, a lot of that depends on the organization, right? Because I think sometimes parachuting folks in at the end um, is, is never a good idea. But if you've had folks like Sonia Weigel and others who have been helping you throughout the entire process, they can be there for the review because they've lived the transaction with you and are well-equipped to give you an, an incredibly honest opinion from an honest broker who's not a part of your individual day-to-day culture. So that can be incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm also interested in um, overall, what should employees pers- expect from uh, a crisis management scenario? What role can they play? What should they expect from their leaders in a crisis? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing you expect is good planning. So I think the planning um, can't be overemphasized. I think your ability, you know, we live in a time where I think you can work with um, strategic partners to help identify the kind of risks that happen in whatever your industry is. So whether you're a college president or whether you're a corporate CEO or whether you're a tech company, there are different um, risks that occur in those various industries. You should be able to, with just a little bit of an assessment or an audit, um, you know, that's part of what I do for some clients is be able to give them an honest perspective from the outside of what can go wrong and what are the systems and people and processes to deal with those. I think employees should expect that from their leaders, um, a thoughtful analysis, a thoughtful plan, and, um, you know, bad things are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong um, across the board. We don't live in a perfect world, and that's okay because when when they do, we have a plan, and we're going to respond, and we're going to move forward as an organization. I think employees deserve that. Yeah, I think that's that's fantastic. a big part of these transactions that often gets forgotten is the employee mm. and uh, not just the role that they play. A lot of times employees feel like, well, this is sort of happening to me. Yeah. But particularly when something happens that could be considered a crisis, that's when people get really concerned. Um, and so having a plan in place that involves the employees in the rollout and the management of the crisis, I can I can only imagine how powerful and impactful that is, and that the the added benefit that you get uh, on the other end, on the other side of it, especially when it's a potential public safety uh, crisis, 
um, if you're not sending the right message to your employees that that you put their safety, their personal safety, and the safety of your customers paramount in everything that you do as a core value, then uh, then then you're really not supporting your employees the way you need to. So, we're going to take another break, and then when we get back, I know that you've got an exciting announcement that yeah, you've just made yeah, today, and yeah. so we're going to. A break from tradition today and, and go sideways a little bit on this conversation and uh, uh, give you a chance to, to share that announcement with our listening audience. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. So we'll be right back after this short break. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, again, we're here with Rich Negrin, partner with Obermeyer, and speaking with us today on crisis management and as it relates to mergers and acquisitions. Um, as uh, one thing that I touched on briefly in introducing your background was your successful tenure as managing director for the city of Philadelphia. Since leaving office, you've been a very active partner with Obermeyer, but now it seems you're laying the groundwork for your next big adventure. 
Yeah. You made a big announcement yesterday. Would you care to share it with us? Yeah, I'm running for district attorney for the city of Philadelphia. It's where I began my career. Um, I want to cough when I say this, but 21 years ago, <laughs> I walked into the district attorney's office here in Philadelphia as a young lawyer. And, uh, you know, I really I've loved and respected the office for a long time. It's where I cut my teeth as a young as a young attorney. It's where I met my wife. Um, my wife literally um, left a job that she that she loves. She's uh, you know one of the most successful um, and talented child abuse and rape prosecutors in the city. And she resigned last Friday so wow. that uh, uh, as a family, we can make a decision that I'm going to run for district attorney. That is fantastic. Yeah, thank you. That is congratulations. It's very exciting. I'm so I'm very excited. I love the office and obviously I love the city. So I hope to to just be honored to serve. Yeah, well, I can certainly see where you've honed your crisis management skills oh, in your, yeah. your past career, and I can see where you might be applying them yeah. <laughs> in your future position. Yeah, the RDA. office is in a little bit of crisis, which is you know part of part of why I feel the need to to step up at this point. Well, congratulations, and thank you for for sharing that with My us. My pleasure. So, as an expert in crisis management a successful attorney, a dedicated public servant, and now possibly the next district attorney for the city of Philadelphia. I'd like you to kind of come into the consulting booth here. Yeah. You know, one of the things I like to promise our listeners is, is uh, you know, this sort of virtual consulting time where mm. you can learn some things and apply them to your own situation. So, you know, what final thoughts or words of advice would you have for those members of our listening audience that are contemplating or in the middle of a merger and acquisition and maybe they want to get ahead, uh, prepare for a crisis before it happens, which is probably not a bad idea, or if they're in the middle of something, you know, what's, what's your just final words of advice? Yeah, you know, I don't think this is really that complicated. I think it's sort of the basic blocking and tackling of leadership that really matters, whether it's a crisis or whether it's day-to-day. Um, I think as a leader, you need to demonstrate the types of behaviors that you expect from people. I think folks forget too much of that. Um, don't hold yourself uh, too high in high regard don't take yourself too seriously um, and be authentic you know I think we lack a great deal of authentic leaders who have you know I go back to the the, the old staple of good to great and level five leadership and, and what that is you know our leaders should have the type of humble confidence that we need to put the organization before their own personal interest and if you do that whether it's in the public sector or the private sector I think that our best private leaders are those that transcend their individual egos and help drive the organization and the organization's goals um, at the forefront of everything they do. So I think that's step number one, um, and that, and that's real authentic leadership. And then I think step number two, we talked a little about it a little earlier, is and, and you focus on this all the time, is that human piece around bringing the right people around you and never forgetting that folks who've been through some stuff um, sometimes add real value um, and getting to, you know, you, you don't you don't know that stuff unless you know your people well. Um, if you're working with folks and you don't know the names of their kids, and um, and you know you're not you're not interested in that first um, as in, in them as people, they can tell. And, uh, and 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 you're in the wrong business if, right. if you're going to be in the people business, which 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 we're all in. Um, if you don't love and have a passion for your employees and your customers, by the way, 
Um, if, if you don't care about who you're serving and what that looks like and where they are and how you can reach them and make their lives better, you're, you're, you're not providing the kind of modern day leadership that I think is required. So I think those aspects really matter. And all of that is wrapped up in culture and how the kind of culture you develop as a leader and as an organization. I know that it's important to put the right team together from the start, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, what you would traditionally think about in terms of, you know, you've got your finance team and, and everything else, and you've got your, your, now your crisis management team that we've yeah, kind of talked about. Yeah. How does someone go about finding, assessing for, and engaging the right external resource? Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is kind of having an expansive network, being involved, being out there, understanding, um, valuing things like diversity, and being a part of those organizations, not just in word only, but but having that be part of your core values as an organization, um, you're, you're not going to be a great, successful organization in, in the modern day global economy if you're not diverse. And, 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 you know, so I think there are resources out there to help you um, accomplish those things if they don't come naturally. You know, for many of us, they do because we've kind of lived it our whole lives. But for some, they don't. And understanding what your blind spots are in terms of not just um, what you look like as an organization, but capabilities and strengths and weaknesses and being honest around those things, not just as an individual. You know, you know I, I don't like to look at spreadsheets. Right. I'm, I'm a people person. I'm a visual person. I, I can, you know, I'm an attorney. I can read and write and do all that stuff. Um, you want to, if, if you want to get me excited, don't show me some words, show me people, don't show me numbers. Right. Um, so I know I need a strong CFO who is, you know, who, who understands that, thrives on it, and has been as powerful around those things. Um, you know, I think that's the way you ensure excellence across your organization is you realize what you're good at, what you're not good at, and, and you hire for those for those situations, and you build your team in a way that, uh, that helps you put the best team on the field. And, and what kinds of things as, I mean, so you've been on the inside, and, uh, you know, you're sort of a hired gun, right? You're back out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gunslinger. Yeah. Uh, so what kinds of, of things can you do you tell your clients or your perspective of clients that they can expect from hiring an external attorney to help with these transactions, given the lens that you see these things through? Yeah. You know, I think whether it's a, a important strategic consultant like you like uh, the service you provide or as an outside counsel, um, I, I think the value that you bring in is a fresh pair of eyes and a credibility based on your experience where you develop a relationship with your clients and someone needs to be in the room to kind of tell them their baby's ugly, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's there's an honesty there. The company's their baby. You're, you know, you're sitting across from someone who has invested in some, in some instances their entire career yes. in this team and this organization. Um, and you can't just do that on day one. You need to build a rapport um, and you come in with clients. And, and the, you know, the, the fun part of all of that for me is, is being able to be that valued strategic counselor um, once you've built the trust that allows you to have some of those honest conversations and that there's that trust there where they come to you to have that conversation and you can present it in a manner that that ensures that it's received well and makes a difference that's a real value added yeah well you know i think it's it's clear from our conversation today that it's important to have the right team overall not only for facilitating the transaction, doing the due diligence. We've talked a little bit about what happens after the deals close and, and how people, all stakeholders should be treated in all of it. But the interesting layer that, and the reason why I was so excited to talk with you today is that around the whole crisis management component, because I yeah. think that is something that 
uh, is often overlooked. You just sort of hope that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you don't are not always able to define what the crisis is going to be. So it's not just about having the right deal team together, but ensuring that these same folks can course correct and pivot properly (laughs) in a way that allows them to follow that blueprint that you've architected those five steps. Yeah. It's funny um, in the white paper that, uh, that we talked about, I talk about the plan and then I also talk about the ability that remember in the middle of the crisis, there's always going to be something that you're not prepared for that. So that, that, that exact um, risk that you've assessed and created a plan around is never going to happen (laughs) exactly the way you thought it would. Um, And and you're right. What you're really creating is not just a crisis response plan, but it's really a method to deal with them in a way that makes sense. Well, thank you so much for for being with us today. And uh, so much fun. Yeah. It's always fun. (laughs) It's always fun. Congratulations again. Thank you very on, much. On your upcoming run. That's Everybody can exciting. go on to richnegrin.com. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Um, we'll see you all here next week at the same time on the Business Channel on Voice America. Have a great day. Thanks for listening this week. You can tune in live to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions, every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join your host, Sonia Weigel, again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 